Hey, this is Andrew Bernarski. Remember, words of advice, don't go out there. Hope things are kick-ass, and uh, maybe I'll see you at some uh, good horror conventions coming up. Rock on. Meow. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Just want to thank all of our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all support. You guys are awesome. Before we get into tonight's film, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. My man Brian has done a fantastic job with the website. He's got it looking great. Everything about our podcast is on there. All of our episodes and interviews from episode one to our weekly release. If you want to check out all of our episodes there, maybe you have an office job, don't have access to your phone, you can listen on your desktop computer. We've done some incredible interviews in the past with some of the biggest names in horror, uh, some of your favorite slashers, uh, writers, directors. Check out our interviews if you haven't heard those yet. We got our store. We got some new T-shirts. Uh, Brian and Dustin have done some fantastic designs if you want to check those out. And we also have Shan's Etsy page attached as well if you want to grab a Tumblr. And we also have our social media, fa- uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love interacting with our fans. We love, you know, meeting new people. We love answering your comments and questions on the air. So definitely check us out on social media. And the last thing I want to shout out is our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. We have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. You're a big fan of our podcast, a big fan of our show. You want to help support us. That option is available. And we also have one-time donations if you want to donate and, you know, have a, if you have a film review you want us to do, that option is available as well. Merry Christmas, Don't Go Out There fans. And uh, let's go ahead and jump into this film review. I'm excited for it. Uh, we did a little poll, and Brian's pick of Batman Returns one. We're doing a, a comic book movie. Uh, never thought we'd do one of these, but I'm excited for it. Uh, <laughs> Brian, why'd you pick Batman Returns? Me either, but I kind of picked it as a joke whenever we brought it up in that group text. But, you know, because it's definitely obviously not conventional horror but i mean it has some dark burton tones and kind of think of it in the same vein as you know gremlins and we did that one around christmas or any of my birthday picks anyway of ghostbusters so uh you know plus it's what the people wanted right so here we are oh and i want to clear yeah. my name as well you bought, I'll get into, you bought votes no no, no i want to clear my name here <laughs> because last week i was compared to the sleazeball kirk herb street and i didn't could was not able to defend myself on here with this vote. And I went and looked at Instagram and those votes, I only knew like four of those people. So I yeah. cleared any conspiracy theories right near. I wanted to say, that. no, you went from being compared to Kirk Herbstreet's. And now we got a stolen election. Like what the hell is going on? You're trending <laughs> down, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll give my quick thoughts on Batman returns, a movie that I remember watching from my childhood, uh, brought back a lot of nostalgia. And like, I grew up on those older Batman movies, especially the Val Kilmer ones, but I know we're not doing that. Uh, very Tim Burton esque for sure. Movie looks great. Awesome cast. I just didn't love it as much as I did when I was a kid, but I mean, I'm just not the big Batman guy anymore. And it's no slight to the movie. It's just, you know, me and Mike catch a lot of crap for it, but I'm just not really super duper invested in these characters anymore. That doesn't mean that it's bad if you are. Or if you like the movies, you know, it's just something that you're more interested in than I am. And that's fine. I thought the movie was just okay. And it's, uh, I'm glad I rewatched it, but do I ever want to rewatch it again? Probably not. 
But I watch. Uh, wow. I do need to rewatch the first wow. one with Jack Nicholson because I love that guy. Uh, Dustin, you want to go next? But you yeah, have to go next. One. Mike's not here. <laughs> the the Val Kilmer one, man, I liked it too. Batman Forever. That was that was a good one. Uh, but anyway, I like this movie. Um, certainly, Brian, when you put it in the chat that this was your pick for the poll, I raised an eyebrow uh, because <laughs> yeah, it's not horror, but. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything if no one else did. So no one said anything. And I, I knew it. I knew it was going to win just because it's it's the biggest name of any of the movies that were on the poll. It's fucking an awesome movie, awesome cast. And so it's like, I knew this was going to win. Uh, so I don't think you had to buy votes. You just did that for a security blanket, I guess. But wow. he has the money. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, obviously very nostalgic <laughs> for me as well. 1992, four years old. Uh, I, I was trying to, I asked my mom, we couldn't figure it out. One of these years when I was a little kid, I went as Danny DeVito's penguin for Halloween. Um, my brother, my brother did too. And he's, he's okay. probably around your age. That's crazy. He put a pillow in his, in his thing to in his stomach to make his, make him fat. Like, uh, see, I wasn't that innovative. I, I just wore the costume. I didn't add any stuff into it, but I had the plastic <laughs> mask that looks like his face, you know? Yep. Um, I believe that that was like 95. So I think I was like seven because uh, Batman Forever came out that year. And so I think the Batman was, you know, hot again. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, this is one of those movies I watch from time to time. I've got all the Batman movies on Blu-ray. And so occasionally I do that. Like I just go back and watch them all because I love Batman. Um so yeah, it's 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 going to get a high score from me. Um, it definitely has its flaws, and I'll point that out. It's more so plot holes than anything. Uh, there's certainly things that I think they took shortcuts on because this is a Batman movie, and back in the early '90s, it weren't wasn't like the superhero movies today. I don't think where they're heavily story driven. They're more so like this is an attraction. This is Batman. This is geared towards kids with adult undertones. Uh, and so I think they took some shortcuts on some plot points. But, yeah, I love it. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the gear towards kids thing because, first of all, this is my favorite Batman movie ever made. Fun fact, th- seeing the OG Burton Batman in 1989 is my earliest memory of seeing a movie in the theater. And I think it's – I was talking to my mom about this too the other day. I, I was trying to find out. I think that this is – that was my first movie experience ever. But, uh, I mean, anyway, I think Burton took what, what worked in that one, uh, which is, to me, a 10. I loved it. And he just enhanced it, you know, especially those dark tones that you're talking about, which ended up costing Burton his job because Warner Brothers has always been run by a bunch of fucking morons, apparently. But they gave Burton free reign after the ridiculous success of the OG and obviously didn't check in on the project because apparently the the WB partnership with McDonald's and their Happy Meal toys with this movie got all the Karens up in arms when they went to see it. And it turned out it wasn't exactly made for little kids. So yeah, uh, yeah I've, I've got more on that later. And, and, you know, also look, this movie is controversial as hell to all the comic book community too. And the, the Batman purists blah, 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 because, you know, and fuck them because <laughs> they get, they get mad because Batman kills people. You know what? That's fucking awesome. And well, there is a, Chris- there is a, there is that one. I, I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but there is that Batman comic series that, He's extremely violent, like brutal violent, but, and he kills plenty of people, but you know, uh, I love it. Absolutely. 
Uh, going off of what you said there, two things. Number one, you brought up Warner Brothers, so this is not, this is unrelated. But did you see today Warner Brothers and Paramount are exploring a merger? So that's okay. Okay. Yes, right. I saw that. Uh, but second of all, Burton, man, he pissed me off with this one because he's so anti-sequel that I feel like this one is a standalone. Vicky Vale gets mentioned once or twice. Yeah. And you obviously have Alfred and uh, Michael Keaton's Batman and the Commissioner Gordon. That's the only three characters that returned. There was so much more they could have done if they just, you know, if they would have expanded on the story from Batman 89 into a traditional sequel. I think it would have been a much better movie. And this one was phenomenal as is. So, Well, I agree with that, but I did read somewhere where apparently Burton or Keaton wouldn't even come back unless he was convinced that it was mostly a standalone and not so much of a sequel. I also read that Michael Keaton's never seen this movie in full, so you know what the hell's he know? <laughs> All right, guys, you ready to jump into the scene by scene? Yeah, let's do let's it. Let's do it. And like Brian kind of mentioned with the Batman purist, if you're one of those guys or girls and you listen to this and I get something wrong, please don't be mean to me. I'm not the purist that you are. Just educate me. All right, the film starts with a man going to check on his wife giving birth. The parents look out the window and we see the baby being contained in a cage. The baby grabs a cat and eats it, I assume. The parents take the baby to a walking bridge and toss the child into the stream below that leads into the sewer. The child yells for his mama as opening credits roll and we get a title card. The child's basket goes down the sewer until it stops and is greeted by an army of penguins. Gotham, 33 years later. It's the night of the lighting of the tree and the ice princess lights the tree to all 77 people who attended. We see Penguin watching from the sewer. Alfred refuses a newspaper on Penguin, but does stop to check a sewer grate he passes by. Selena gets Max Shrek and the men he's meeting with coffee. Max is trying to get permits for a power plant. Selena speaks up, but is shot down by Shrek quickly. Chip walks in and tells his dad they must go to the tree lighting. Max threatens the mayor as the mayor introduces him to the crowd of people as Gotham Santa. Max forgot his speech and says he'll take it out on Selena when they get back. Suddenly, a giant present arrives, and clowns are launched out of it into the tree, and skeleton men drive around on motorcycles attacking the people of Gotham. A police car arrives and radios for them to send the signal. Batman is alerted, and the organ grinder says they want Shrek. Chip steps up and tells his dad to save himself. Stores and people are lit on fire until Batman arrives mowing people down with the Batmobile. He launches two clowns into the Ablaze store. Selina is grabbed from behind, but Batman saves her with some trickery. She shoots her shot, but he walks away. Selena takes a taser and shocks the clown. Some men thank Batman as we see Max Shrek descend deeper into the sewer. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes. What'd you think? Well, listen, two and a half minutes into the movie, and we already have the Man Fuck Them Kids Award as uh, Pee Wee Herman, which is ironic anyway. And sidebar, his wife in the movie, Diane Louise Salinger, also from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Burton did that as well for you children who didn't know that. But we have a couple put their deformed baby in a cage. We have that baby eat a cat, and then we have attempted baby murder. I don't know about you, but we're off to a great start here. I love it. And uh, I have to shout out that just iconic Danny Elfman soundtrack, probably my favorite composer next to John Williams of all time. I'm sure that's not a hot take. It's probably the same as many other people's. But um, personally, I, I absolutely loved Gotham in the first movie and how dark and gritty it was. Very Dick Tracy-ish where you can't really place the time period. Um, very comic bookish, uh, dare I say, Rob Zombie-ish. And uh, without being, you know, kind of over the top like Joel Schumacher's was, uh, very Burton. But Gotham at Christmas, 
this entire set designs fucking legendary. I love it. Uh, I don't know how much credit it gets, but by God, he's on this damn show. I'm going to get the credit. Uh, Steven Breen, who held the model and miniature set supervisor position. I mean, look, this movie won two Oscars and had 29 nominations. I mean, we're not breaking any new ground here by shouting these people out. But um, And yes, the amazing Christopher Walken. Yes, absolutely. The true villain of the, mo- villain of the movie. Fantastic, blah, blah, blah. But can we talk about his son, Chip? Andrew Brenarski, fucking Leatherface from Chainsaw Remake is in this movie. Who knew? Because I didn't until we started reviewing this. Uh, I also want to shout out Burton for this just this iconic, you know, just amazing shot that that was used all over the trailers as it should have been, you know, of Keaton as Bruce Wayne just sitting at the mansion uh, as the bat signal. Obviously not doing shit as we all do from time to time, but it's such a great shot. Uh, And during all this mayhem, I also want to shout out Vincent Chiavelli, who's been around forever. But him as that subway ghost and well, ghost, uh, admittedly scared the shit out of me when I was younger. Uh, he was the one that basically taught Patrick, Patrick Swayze how to move shit while he was a ghost, but he was such an asshole about it. Anyway, um, just an amazing group of scenes, you know, as is the entire movie. But I especially love how Batman just fucking kills these circus people with no remorse or regret, burning a dude alive with his exhaust. Much more to come, and that pisses off the Batman purists, and fuck you, I love it. Go ahead. Yeah, um, great setting and atmosphere, which is to be expected from Burton. And then, like you said, the first person we see is none other than Pee Wee Herman himself. Um, he's unrecognizable almost, but that's him. That's cool. And you mentioned eating the cat proves that, you know, even from a young age, a lot of men love eat. Uh, okay, never mind. Skip that. Uh, really sad what they do to their baby. I mean, yeah, he's deformed and a freak, but damn. And it, they even had the nerve to watch the baby carriage float over the edge. That's some real sociopathic shit there. The In 300, haven't you seen 300? They let the deformed kid go and ended up coming back and screwing them all and killing them all. So, you know what? I say throw them in the river. All right. Um, damn. Okay. Uh, makes sense why you're, you know, you were a fan of that one movie where they fucked in the kitchen. It's just like, you don't give a shit about kids. I see. <laughs> Good thing I don't have any. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be crazy. You mentioned music by Danny Elfman, and it just feels so right. Uh, great touch to have Penguin's claws poke out of the storm drain as Alfred steps off the ledge there. That, that was an awesome, subtle touch there. Uh, Max Shrek just looks like a shysty individual. I mean, who goes into a business meeting indoors and wears his leather gloves? Lunatic alert. I love the dynamic of Selena at work. Like She's such a timid woman. And so it sets up her character development nicely. And then I can't lie. The psycho uh, circus showing up freaked me out a little bit as a kid. Like I was four when this movie came out. This is a lot for a kid. And so, like I mentioned, Batman, you think this is going to be a kid's movie, but it definitely had its adult themes and its adult undertones and wasn't necessarily made for a kid. So I think a lot of parents had rightfully so had a right to be angry if they're taking their small child to see this movie and gives the kids nightmares it didn't give me nightmares because i'm not a bitch but it did you know kind of freak me out a little bit uh i'm not sure how the bat signal shine through bruce wayne's window there when the next shot we get is it pointed directly at the sky but i'll forgive it that's one of those little things i'm talking about like little shortcuts okay so let me be that guy to tell you because whenever it shoots up into the sky if you notice he also has like little miniature ones that like shine into the window. So he makes sure he sees it. It like, it did show that part. I don't know if you missed that. Is Wayne Manor that close to the city? 
Wayne Manor, that's it's the most incons- non-inconspicuous Batman possible. Bruce Wayne just does not give a shit if people know, apparently. Yeah, I'm not buying it. Um, <laughs> man, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer was so hot in this damn movie. And I love how dorky she was. Like, I love a nerdy girl. So adult D- Dustin appreciates Catwoman much more than child Dustin did. But my God, she she hit all the notes for me. Um, it was a very solid opening set of scenes. Plenty of action to get us started. You mentioned we get some deaths already. Like when he engulfed that guy with the flames from his exhaust. That was fucking awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fully invested so far. Max is at the dinner table with the circus gang surrounded by penguins being fed by penguin. He's shocked to see Penguin is real. Penguin doesn't like that Max is a respected monster, but he isn't. He tries to hypnotize Max and says he knows his dirty secret. Penguin is ready to ascend and needs Max's help. He wants to find out who his parents are and what his real name is. He asks, why am I going to help you? Penguin now blackmails him with the toxic waste his company produces, shredded documents, and Fred Atkins' dead body holding his hand. Max says he could orchestrate a welcome home party as he shakes his hand with Fred's. Selena walks in her apartment with the now famous TikTok line of, honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot. I'm not married. She gets her cat some milk and continues criticizing herself. She checks her answering machine and hears the one she left for herself. She has to go back to work and Max sees her going through the files. He's pissed she opened protected files and calls him out on the intended use of this power plant. What did curiosity do to the cat? He asks. He backs her into a window and she says, this is our secret. He says the power plant is his legacy. He pushes her out the window and she lands in the snow. Cats began crawling on her, licking and biting her. She survived her fall and is back home. She seems very out of it, knocking things over, chugging milk. She snaps and breaks her answering machine, hearing the perfume ad from Shrek's company. She starts bashing her wall with in pictures with a cast iron skillet and spray painting the walls. More and more cats assemble at her windowsill and she starts making a leather suit for herself. She, reveal, she reveals herself in the window saying she looks so much yummier. All right, Brian's next set of scenes. What do you think? Yeah, so this is the first time we get introduced to Penguin. And can I say that I love the decision from Burton to not have Shrek even remotely scared whatsoever of this entire situation? That just shows right there that he's the true villain of this movie. And Penguin, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely unique, for lack of a better term. I mean, I mean, this is DeVito's best role, to me, in my opinion. Uh, I actually love the new take on Penguin being used as a mob boss and the newer ones with Colin Farrell. But, you know, aside from the 66 Batman I watched on replays growing up with Burgess Meredith and not really being familiar with the comics, like this was my Penguin. And while now I probably like the new take a little bit better and being more grounded and whatnot, but I love the uniqueness of this one. And just that Burton flair, you know, I mean, that's, you can use it as an adjective there. Uh, DeVito is so good in this, but, Speaking of good, I mean, honestly, stealing this movie the way that Nicholson did the first one, Michelle Pfeiffer. And now, you know, she gets she gets her, her turn here in the movie to show her acting chops. And I don't know if we mentioned we had her sister, Dee Dee, on the show. Don't go out there.com, Batman voice edition. But just from here on out, you know, her entire transformation, her, her fall into insanity to an extent even. I mean, this entire scene with her talking to herself and the cats in her apartment – then the back and forth with walking and bam out the window after, you know, luring you into that sense of security. Then we get the score and the cats eating her fingers before this amazing shot of her eyes opening and her pupils dilating at just the right time. And look, I mean, it's, it's her performance for me. I mean, she was good in Scarface, held her own in the witches of Eastwick with 
to other legends of the business. But to me, this is the best performance of her career. And just golf clap, golf clap to Bob Ringwood and, and Mary Vaught, the two costume designers here. Go look up their damn careers. I mean, Oscars, et cetera, doesn't get any better than them. But this costume design for Catwoman, I think, is amazing. Uh, I know Pfeiffer complained about it being so tight and never wants to wear it again, which, like you mentioned, good God, she looks amazing in it. But her body yeah. isn't the only thing that pulled it off. I mean, I just love the stitches everywhere and how it you know, kind of looked thrown together. I, I loved Anne Hathaway's portrayal in the Nolan films, but this one is still the quintessential Catwoman to me that Hathaway and Zoe Kravitz, and I'm not even bringing up Halle Berry, but they just weren't even able to to come close to this performance, in my opinion. Yeah, we get introduced to the Penguin, like you said, and DeVito just, he crushes this. He crushes it. Now, I want to bring up my personal favorite incarnation of the Penguin is actually from Gotham. I don't know if you've watched the show Gotham, Brian, but you would love it. It's incredible, but it's neither here nor there. During uh, Penguin's speech, I couldn't help but wonder how he learned to speak as well as he does, considering he was thrown in the sewer as an infant. <laughs> so that's one of those little shortcuts we take that don't explain it. Pretty genius of Selena to leave herself a message so she'd remember something. That's a lost luxury in today's world. No one has house right. phones. So if you forget something, you forget something. I guess you can set a reminder in your cell phone, like a, an alarm, but I don't know. That was pretty genius. I liked it. Great touch for the light to cause a reflection on her face while she's sitting at her desk that you know makes her look like she has cat eyes. or you know That was a great foreshadowing of her alter ego and just an absolutely disgusting scene follows. And I'm not talking about Max pushing her out the window. I mean, all the straight cats licking her in the mouth. Yuck. I don't <laughs> know that I'd be able to kiss her after that. I probably would, but that's just disgusting. Yeah. She, would. uh, great scene with zombie Selena spiraling, but we're supposed to believe that she made her entire suit out of a leather jacket. Give me a break, man. Like that's all she pulled out of the closet was one damn leather jacket and she made a whole cat suit. So, Another one of those little nitpicks, I guess, sure, but come on. She made the whole suit out of a leather jacket. Now, I will say something that I really loved in this set of scenes, though, is she goes home the first time. She has that neon sign on her wall that says, mm -hmm. hello there. And then when she's zombified, she smashes out the uh, the O and the T, so it just says hell here. That was love that it. was great. Yeah, It was, was very subtle. Ass. It looked like she was just smashing something, but then when she stands in the window later, we see it in the background. And that's one of my favorite shots of the movie is her standing in her window with that pink neon sign in the background. So, yeah, another good set of scenes. The mayor speaks to the citizens denouncing the urban chaos as we see Penguin open the sewer grate. A clown appears snatching a baby and falls into the sewer, handing the baby to Penguin. Penguin emerges and hands the baby back to the mayor. He says on TV he wants to find out who his mom and dad are and who he is and why did they do what they did to him. Max tells the press Penguin is a friend of Gotham and give and give the Constitution a rest. It's Christmas. Penguin is researching on his family history as we see Bruce Wayne in his Batcave researching on the Penguin. Alfred calls Batman in his car as we see him look at Penguin from the road. A crowd watches Penguin visit his parents' gravesite. He addresses the crowd. His name is Oswald Cobblepot. He is not a Penguin. He was their number one son but was treated like number two. Gotham is ablaze with the news Penguin forgave his parents. A man robs a woman until Catwoman appears, kicking his ass. She doesn't let the lady off easy, though, saying she makes it too easy waiting on Batman to save her. I am Catwoman. Hear me roar as she backflips away. Bruce Wayne arrives to meet with Max on the power plant investment. Bruce says Gotham has a power surplus, and he and the mayor see eye to eye. Selina appears unexpectedly, and Bruce Wayne admits to meeting her and then denies it. He asks about the wound on her head. 
Selena escorts Bruce out, and they both don't seem to be the type to associate with Mr. Shrek. Bruce shoots his shot, and she walks away. Max says she tries to blackmail me. I'll drop her out a higher window. Max goes to meet up with Penguin. He tells him he has a surprise. He uses a fish as bait to draw Penguin with him. Surprise! Max is going to have Penguin run as mayor. Max will pull the strings. He introduces him to some image consultants. Josh cracks a joke until Penguin bites his nose. The room is in shock, and Max sends him back to work. He says he knows ways to overturn the election. Max needs Penguin and his friends to drive the mayor into a frenzy. Max says this can fulfill a destiny, reclaim his birthright. All right, I'll be mayor as he heads back up the stairs. All right, Brian's next set of scenes. What'd you think? What's What's funny is that, I mean, what this movie came out, what, 30 years ago now almost? And you'd watch this and go, ha, that's that's that would never happen. That's definitely a joke. No way someone like that could run for mayor or be president like this. Now, now we essentially get comic book characters as a president every term. So there you go. Uh, something else I wanted to point out, I liked a lot. Like you can tell this connection with Bruce Wayne and the villains is important to Burton and the writers because, I mean, they did it with the Joker in the first one, having him be the one who shot the Waynes. Spoiler alert for that 34-year-old movie. But even this, I mean, it, it, it makes it mean a little bit more. Like it gave it some depth. Here we see the same thing with this connection, at least from the start here, between Bruce Wayne and, and Cobblepot. I mean, both being orphans, Wayne showing some sympathy with him at first. And I really like that choice there because, I mean, it's a little slower, but the movie needs that depth to me. I mean, plus, we get that fucking awesome shot of the Batmobile driving through the snow by the library. Yeah, awesome shot. But also the layers on Catwoman's character, which kind of goes back to not only like Pfeiffer and her amazing performance, but I guess the writing, you know, this, this alley scene, for instance, I mean, it shows that she's not just bad, you know, and she's not just good. Like, yeah, she's going to fuck this guy up, but also bitch slap this girl for being a damsel in distress as well. I mean, it's actually, it's actually pretty damn perfect mixture of writing and performance and full disclosure. I almost did a perfect joke, but look, I'm growing as a person. I didn't do it. And, uh, then after some amazing dialogue exchange for Pfeiffer and Walken, we get probably the most memorable scene of the movie with Penguin eating a raw fish and then biting Steve Whitting's nose with the blood gushing everywhere. And yeah, I mean, this, this is what I think sent the Karens over the top with the Happy Meal toys and shit I brought up at the beginning. But you know what? Fuck all you old biddies too, because you're the reason we never got a Burton Batman 3 with Robin Williams. And oof, man, I wanted that. Uh, Whitting, by the way, still acting was just in probably his biggest role of his career in Killers of the Flower Moon. You want to talk about a long movie? Nico will never watch that one. Uh, he was also the bank manager in Ozark, too, by the way. Just sidebar. But go ahead, Dustin. I'm off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, absolutely brilliant scheme to make Penguin look like a hero by saving the baby. I thought that was genius. And, I, you know, it kind of makes you wonder how much shit's set up like that, staged anyway, to make people look better for PR uh, and political gain. When he goes to the seminary or cemetery, a couple things. One, those grave plots are way too close together. Not practical. Number two, uh, I was their number one son and they treated me like number two. That's a bar. That is a great line from Penguin there. <laughs> Seeing Catwoman in action for the first time is awesome. She's badass and her character arc is just incredible. I love Bruce almost slipping up when he said he'd met Selena before. That was that was a great little nuance in the, in the dialogue there. Another nitpick I have about this movie. After Bruce leaves Shrek's office, we see a car driving in the street. 
and Gotham has some narrow ass streets. I know it's a movie set, not an actual street, and it's definitely a nitpick, but I'd be lying if I said that didn't bother me some. Like, are all the streets around there one way only? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Penguin gnawing on that raw fish was absolutely disgusting. I hated it as a kid. I hate it now. Fuck that. Yeah. I don't eat fish anyway as a, as an, a full-grown adult, let alone a raw fish like that. That's disgusting. Uh, Oswald biting the guy's nose is a bit of a tough thing for voters to overlook. But, you know, I guess it didn't get out to the public, so it worked. Bold strategy. I don't know. That's a weird thing to do on the night you're announcing that you're going to run for mayor. He does have some great lines that I didn't catch as a kid when he's, you know, Max is giving him the pitch about, hey, you should be the mayor. You could fill the void. And he says, I like to fill her void. Like, that's just great shit. I love it. Uh, Danny DeVito, the, the Oswald Cobblepot's got some great lines. He's got the best lines in the movie. He's got the best dialogue no in the movie. No but it's another, another good set of scenes. Man eats ass but won't eat fish. Go ahead. Correct. Sorry. <laughs> a dog drops a bomb in a store as a circus gang wreaks havoc on Gotham. Batman arrives fighting the men. Catwoman does cartwheels in a department store and practice her whipping technique on some mannequins. Cops show up and are confused if they should open fire or fall in love. I feel you, brother. They beg for mercy and she lets them off. Batman plants a bomb on a guy and drops him into a building. Batman encounters Penguin, telling him he's not mayor, and asks what he wants. Catwoman appears now as the building she was in explodes in the flames. Penguin flies away as Batman pursues Catwoman. The two fight on the roof. She knocks him over and holds him with her whip. He throws acid on her and saves her from falling. She flirts him, wondering who he is behind the mask. She punches him in the gut, and he knocks her off the building into a dump truck full of kitty litter. Batman is back home, tending to his wounds. Signs for Oswald appear all over Gotham. He makes his pitch to the media why he should win mayor. He places a button on an attractive woman and heads back upstairs. Catwoman is waiting for him. He flirts with her while she needs his help stopping Batman, the thorn in both of their sides. He shows her plans on hijacking his Batmobile, stopping him. The two exchange insults until Catwoman puts his pet bird in her mouth. He now threatens the kitty on the bed, so he lets the, she lets the bird free. She wants in on the plan to stop Batman. She begins giving herself a bath on the bed. Bruce watches Oswald on TV calling Batman out. Bruce walks into Selina in public and asks if she's okay. They make small talk on all the news headlines, and she asks if he's going to the tree lighting. He invites her over for an early dinner. The Ice Princess gets dolled up until Penguin arrives, and he attacks her. Selina is at Bruce's house, and she asks if he, ha if he has a girlfriend. She presses him on questions of his former girlfriend. She springs onto him, and they begin making out. She grabs his side wound, and he grabs her acid burn. The two call it quits during their makeout session, and we see on TV the Ice Princess has been abducted and one of Batman's weapons were planted on the scene. Bruce and Selina both tell Alfred excuses to tell each other. Selina drives off in a fury as Bruce gets into his Batman outfit. All right, Brian's next set of scenes. What do you think? This is probably my favorite part of the movie where, I mean, it's got all the chaos with the circus gang and Gotham. Just always has been. I mean, probably because the budget we got here is so few shots around Gotham in the first movie. I mean, this one was welcome to me anyway. Plus we get more Batman killing folks with attached bomb, attaching the bomb to the fat gang member, uh, Rick Zumwalt, by the way, Bob Hurley from over the top. If you remember that Stallone arm wrestling movie. Uh, but again, more killing, more pissed off Batman purists. I don't know. It makes me happy for some reason. 
But this scene with the Catwoman in the department store whipping the heads off the mannequins a while back, I actually retweeted the behind the scenes footage of this shot. And I don't know how many people know this or not, but Pfeiffer did this stunt by herself in one take in those heels. Super impressive. The footage is on YouTube. Go check it out. The The crew gave her a standing ovation after Burton yelled cut. Um, Pfeiffer just continues to steal any scenes that she's in. Uh, she nails this role. Uh, the chemistry between her and Keaton, even in the costumes, I think is 100% on point. I really loved the Keaton and Basinger and uh, the whole thing in the first one. But Pfeiffer is able to bring that that duality, that dark side, that little crazy that uh, that Keaton brought to the first one. And so it's good. It kind of makes the relationship and that dynamic with them both, you know, holding back something. It makes it makes it a lot better, I think. And you talked about DeVito getting the best lines, man. My my favorite line of this movie where he goes, ah, just the pussy I was looking for when Catwoman's laying in there. Yeah, maybe that Happy Meal thing wasn't such a good idea, Warner Brothers, you jackasses. Uh, more killing, you know, we think anyway, with the Ice Princess, who played by Christy Conway, by the way. This is probably her biggest role, but I distinctly remember her in an episode as Willa Sandleton in Tales from the Crypt. So, I don't know, just a sidebar, but that's all I had. Go ahead, Dustin. It's pure chaos uh, opening this set of scenes with Gotham just being ravaged by the circus game. And we get great scenes of Batman saving the day like always. But I'm supposed to believe that little mutt jumped up and grabbed the bat ring when it was flying face high at that woman. Nah. No, see, that's another one of those things, man. I just, I can't overlook it. I can't overlook it. When Catwoman scared the uh, two security guys off, one of them says their take home is less than 300. Buckle in. Here's a math lesson. Adjusted for inflation and assuming that that 300 would be weekly, that's roughly $656 in today or about $34,112 a year, meaning they'd make about 16 bucks an hour in 2023. That's just FYI. Do with that what you will. Catwoman uh, with a total badass move tumbling out of the store and then it blowing up behind her. Like, that's how you make an entrance to these two guys. That's that's incredible. She had some Batista pyro going on behind her. Now, why would there be a dump truck of kitty litter driving around? That's not how it was transported. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not forgiving that one. And then <laughs> Oswald's dialogue is just wild. You're the hottest woman a role model could have, followed by just the pussy I've been looking for, and then naked sexual charisma. Like, that's crazy for a Batman movie of this era. Like, looking back, yeah, no, I stand with those Karens, kind. If I took my little kid to this, I'd be like, oh, shit, I'm going to earmuff my kid in a Batman movie. Uh, makes no sense how he made shadow puppets on the ceiling. He's laying on the bed. There's no light behind him. Okay. Uh, you know, forgive that as well. That's fine. I love the scene of Selena and Bruce walking and they're talking to each other or they're each other, you know, taking offense about what the press said about their alter egos. That was great because neither one of they're both oblivious to who each other is. They're like, oh, they said the Batman did this. Oh, they said the Catwoman did this. I thought that was awesome. I realized something during this watch through, though. Bruce Wayne may have invented Netflix and chill. He invited her over to watch the tree lighting <laughs> and ended up making a move on the couch. Man was ahead of his time. I respect it. Yeah, go ahead. You're right. There's one of them dusting lines I was waiting on. All right, the mayor addresses the crowd at the tree lighting ceremony. The circus gang gets the armor off the Batmobile. Batman sees a woman bound in a building and swings over to her. He gets to her and is attacked by Catwoman. Catwoman drags the Ice Princess away as we see the circus gang tinkering with the Batmobile. Penguin appears and has bats fly at the Ice Princess and she falls off the roof. The crowd thinks Batman pushed her. 
Cops shoot him, and he falls below. Catwoman mounts him. They talk about mistletoe, and she licks his face. He kicks her off him, and he flies away. Penguin and Catwoman share some champagne, and he describes a scenario for them to get it on. She shoots him down, and he's pissed. He hooks an umbrella around her neck, and she flies off. She gets free and falls into a greenhouse, and she lets out a scream that shatters all the glass. Penguin goes into his trailer and drives the stunt Batmobile. He takes over the Batmobile and begins mowing people down and hitting police cars. Batman records Penguin and detects the foreign object. He punches through the floorboard and gets the object off the Batmobile. He slams brakes before hitting the old woman and drives off, still being chased by the police. He realizes an alley is skinny, so he sheds the Batmobile of armor and drives through, but the cops all wreck like idiots. Max encourages Oswald, and he goes to address the crowd of people. He says the mayor had no plan, and he was solely dependent on Batman. Bruce and Alfred head into the Batcave to hijack the speakers at Penguin's feet. Bruce plays a CD of Penguin, saying he, he played this stinking city like a hawk from hell on repeat. The crowd is furious and begins booing and throwing tomatoes and eggs at him. He begins shooting at them with his umbrella, and he misses, so he's a terrible shot. He takes off running and leaps into the stream below the bridge that goes into the sewer. He takes his rubber ducky back to his lair full of penguins. He tells the others he's not Oswald, he's Penguin. He's not a human. He hands out names of the firstborn sons of Gotham, and he has a terrible fate for them all. Penguin kills one of the clowns who questions his plan. Our Bryce, next set of scenes, what'd you think? So I know I've been nothing but love throughout this movie, but this meeting here at the start of the set of scenes between Catwoman and Batman over the Ice Princess is my least favorite part of the movie. I don't care for the corny one-liners like eat floor, high and fiber. And then, you know, the head butt from Batman having no effect on her. I just, I kind of wish that hadn't been in there. And maybe the only thing keeping me from giving this a perfect score. I don't know. Maybe. It's made up for with, though, with, uh, with Calvin standing over him after he'd been shot. Pfeiffer kills that scene. And the mistletoe is deadly if you eat it line is just as iconic to me as Nicholson's Have You Ever Danced with the Devil in the Pale Moonlight from the first one. I love it. And then you get DeVito. And, you know, he gets his chance to shine, I think, the most, to me anyway, when he's in that truck driving that hijacked Batmobile. His, his line delivery, his maniacal laughter, his spitting during the takes, is, I thought that was just awesome. Also, shout out to Batman for having a CD burner in his car way before CD burners <laughs> were, were mainstream. I mean, you know, you brought up Netflix and chill. Hey, I'm just thankful it wasn't a cassette. And the kids these days would be like, what the hell was that? No, nah, man. There was no Nobody was burning CDs in 1992. The kids even know what CDs me? are today, though? Yes, they do. Come on. They, that PlayStation discs are still CDs. They know what they are. A lot of those are yeah. digital, and computers don't even have disk drives on them anymore. Blu-rays, RCDs, DVD. They're still around. They're still no. It's still, relax. Don't don't <laughs> try to push them out yet. Uh, fun fact, though, when the sides of the Batmobile shoot off, the skinny car that's left behind it, it's actually called the Bat Missile. I'll, I'll just pause on that one. But I also wanted that toy growing up. Uh, kind of kind of a dumb name for 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 it, but you know, toys branding were such a big part of movies in the '90s. What can I say? Maybe I can get Money Mike to buy me one of those for Christmas. And the end of this group of scenes, I fucking love the clown questioning Penguin's plan to kidnap and murder the firstborns of Gotham and then getting fucking blown away for it with an umbrella gun. <laughs> if man fuck them kids was a person, it's the penguin. Also, man, penguin, great pinsmanship, but they had copiers, man. Why did you write down all of those names on all of those notepads like over and over again? Like you got to have better time management, in my opinion, as, as a villain. Go ahead. 
Uh, I think they do a great job throughout capturing just how similar Bruce and Selena, uh, Batman and Catwoman, Catwoman really are. I love how they both show up to save the girl and they go from canoodling to fighting, but eat floor. That's the lamest zinger I've ever heard, Bruce. Get the fuck out of my face with that. Why the hell wouldn't the blonde bimbo step off the ledge when they're on the roof? And she's just asking to die at that point. She just stood there like she was helpless. She wasn't tied. Her feet weren't tied together where she couldn't move. I hated that. And then, I ain't gonna lie. Catwoman licking Batman's face made me feel a kind of way. Whew. Need that. Uh, all the bats flying below really reminded me of Austin, Texas. Y'all ever uh, seen how many bats there are there or ever been? I highly recommend going and seeing them. It's a sight to behold. That's a serious one. I'm not joking on that one. Uh, another great line from Oswald here where he calls Catwoman a lousy minx. I'm definitely adding that to my arsenal of insults. The Batmobile <laughs> simulator was incredible. I wanted to ride it when I was a kid, and I'd like to have yes. one in my house as an adult. That's awesome. When Bruce plays the audio of Oswald, you can tell it's not the same audio from earlier, though. Like, he was yelling it when he was in there. Uh, but when he plays it over the loudspeaker, it's just at a normal volume. So didn't really like that. Also... Why did everyone have tomatoes and heads of lettuce readily available to throw? <laughs> like, what, what the fuck is that? And then Everybody he opens fire. How did he not hit anyone at all when he opened fire at that close distance? He hit the podium <laughs> a few times, but didn't shoot a single fucking person. What he's is firing, going on? He's okay. firing with an umbrella gun. <laughs> he shot you know. the podium, which is two feet in front of people, but couldn't hit a person standing behind it. Okay, pal. Ah. Uh, had no problem hitting the clown with the shot, though. So, and that was from a further distance. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, another thing about this set of scenes, and it's my last thing, when Batman or Bruce is playing the audio, he hijacks the audio and he's playing, you know, Penguin's words to the masses there. He scratches it. He mixes it like it's a damn record. And you hear the, <laughs> it's a fucking CD. They don't do that. <laughs> I told you it was before right. their time. Ahead, they didn't know. They didn't know CDs couldn't do that back then. Who knows? They thought it was still a record. Yeah. Dude, dude Penguin reminded me of Dumb and Dumber. Harry, you're still alive. And you're a terrible <laughs> shot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alfred tells Bruce. Reminded me of Lori Strode throwing knives in the kitchen. <laughs> James Blackman over here. <laughs> that wasn't Lori Strode. <laughs> Whoever the fuck. That was, well, a that was an moment. H2O. That was funny. That was funny. Alfred tells Bruce of the party at Mr. Shrek's. Bruce denies at first, but thinks Selena might be there and decides to go. Max stops Bruce and compliments his lack of costume. He walks away from Bruce when he says who is mayor matters to him. Selena walks into the room and they lock eyes. The two apologize for what happened yesterday and begin to dance. They have conversation and he admits he came tonight to see her. She came to see Max. She laughs at, she laughs at all Bruce thinking she wanted to be with Max. She pulls out a gun to kill Max and Bruce stops her. She confesses to not knowing who she is anymore, and they begin kissing. They both say their mistletoe speech again, and they have an epiphany. He says to let's go outside until suddenly an explosion from the floor happens. Penguin appears, saying he's after their firstborn sons. He's personally come for Chip Shrek. Max begs for him to take him instead. I'm the one who betrayed you. He orders Max into the duck, and the two descend back into the sewer. Max is in a cage, and Penguin says this will be a great killing off of a whole crop before their prime. He's going to kill them in the toxic waste produced by Max's companies. The circus gang begins loading up the firstborn sons into the train led by Organ Grinder. A monkey delivers a note from Batman that the children will be unable to attend. 
Penguin addresses all the penguins he lives with and says to take out all the children. The penguins, all strapped with missiles, dive into the water to begin their attack on Gotham. One minute into ignition, as Batman heads towards Penguin in the Batmobile, 100,000 casualties estimated. They begin counting down until Alfred alters the frequency, jamming the signal. The penguins turn around and head back to the sewer. All the circus gang abandons Penguin, so he takes off in the rubber ducky. Batman crashes through the mountainside onto the rubber ducky. In the next set of scenes of the ending, Brian, what'd you think of those? <laughs> Look at Alfred ripping up that party invitation at the start of this, and then Bruce changing his mind. And then we get that shot of Alfred, and he has that "fuck you, man" like a look on his face afterwards. It's just rest in peace, Michael. Go. He was he was so fucking good. Uh, I haven't brought him up at all, but that grandfatherly relationship between he and Bruce in the last movie and this one. It's just so different than the the newer renditions of Alfred, where he's kind of more of a badass. It's definitely it's definitely special. It holds a special place in my heart anyway with these movies. Uh, but then you know, starting at this party through the end, Pfeiffer just straight up puts on an acting clinic. I mean, from when Bruce asks, uh, "Not you and Max," and she gives this maniacal laughter, her admitting that she was there to kill Max, and then crying as soon as they find out each other is. You know, Catwoman and Batman, just the emotions that Pfeiffer portrays are just, like I said, this is just the best performance of her career, I think. And can I also say, was it really needed to have a Batman-branded note paper? Like, like, does Bruce order office supplies with a Batcave from Staples or Office Depot? Like, scratch that. They don't sponsor us. Let's say Gotham Depot. But uh, also that the grand speech to the Penguins, I could have done without that as well, if I'm being honest, too. They apparently cut scenes of the circus gang stealing the kids and having the kids even screaming as they threw them into the cages. But shit, give me that and keep stuff like this. Uh, we are immediately redeemed with penguin suicide bombers, however. And <laughs> just penguin's a fucking savage, man. He's great. And of course, the bat ski. Uh, and you got to repeat what Nicholson's Joker said in the first one was you see his bat ski where he says, uh, where does he get all these wonderful toys? Love it. Love that line. Reminded me of it as soon as, uh, as soon as I saw him driving that thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Selena applying pressure at the party. I would have folded so fast. And then she pulled a gun at a party. She's crazy. Oh my God. I need her. Like, I don't, I love that. I also like how, uh, this scene at the party there, it kind of, you can tell that Nolan, kind of drew inspiration from it when uh you know catwoman and batman meet in that universe in the dark knight rises uh because you know they're at a masquerade ball they're like oh what's your costume i'm bruce wayne eccentric billionaire and that's what bruce wayne's dressed as here he's just wearing a suit so i really love that uh great and i mean great moment when they realize who each other is like that's the oh shit moment of this movie because they're both just, uh, you know, mid-conversation that you can tell they genuinely care about each other. They like each other, but they've been fighting this whole time and didn't know it. Love that. Another thing I realized during this set of scenes, so Gotham is based on New York City, right? Like, that's kind of, it's loosely based on New York City. Uh, it's Christmas time. There's snow on the ground. We can't see anyone's breath when they're outside. I noticed that when the woman ran out of the building with the baby and she was scantily clad, I thought, man, isn't she cold? And that's when it hit me. I was like, wait, isn't anyone cold? You can't see anyone's breath. Uh, I get it, though. Like It's it's, a, it's on a movie set, and in 92, you couldn't digitally add the breath later or whatever. But to me, that's a pretty big mistake from Burton. I expected more. 
Go ahead. It was a hundred. It was a hundred degrees on set because I just I read where they had to bring in like freezers for these real for penguins, the penguins to try to keep it. Yeah, to be like negative thirty or be like thirty two degrees or some shit. Yeah. So it was all like a hundred degrees outside. So I, I get. I never noticed that before though. Thanks for ruining the movie for me. You're welcome. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I will give credit when credit's due though. Pretty cool seeing the army of penguins mobilized. Like, I can't lie. I love that as a kid. I love it now. It's just, that's, that's so cool, man. Getting that many penguins to that many wild animals, which I guess a lot of these were tame, but, uh, to do something like that in unison is just really fascinating to me. But the, the ballroom scene is probably my favorite moment of the movie though, when they realize who each other is. So love this set of scenes. All right, guys, here's the ending. He exits the Batmobile and penguin leaps onto him. Batman presses a button and we see all the penguins nearby. Penguin swings the umbrella blade at him to no success. The missiles launch and bats surround Penguin, knocking him below into the toxic waste-filled water. Max gets the keys from the monkey and lets himself out of the cage. Catwoman grabs him with her whip, and he grabs a gun as he's pulled out the water. He offers her money, or a big ball of string. She wants his blood. Batman swings down and says, he's going to jail. Batman says, let's take him to the police and we can go home together. He knows it's Selina and says they're the same. He pulls his mask off, revealing he's Bruce Wayne. She smacks him, saying she couldn't live with herself. Max fires her and asks, why is he dressed like Batman? And that got a good laugh out of me. He pulls the gun out and shoots Batman. He opens fire on Selina now and kills four more of her lives off. Out of bullets now, Selina tases their mouse as she grabs a power line, killing Max. Penguin emerges from the water as Batman sees Max's fried face. Penguin grabs a cute umbrella and says he'll kill Batman momentarily, but he falls over dead. Some penguins emerge and slide his body into the water. Bruce has Alfred stop the car and he looks around an alley. He grabs a black cat and takes it with him. Merry Christmas, Mr. Wayne, Alfred tells him. They drive off and we see Catwoman is still alive as the bat signal appears in the sky. All right, Brian, that's the ending. What'd you think? I love the ending. You know, I'm glad we didn't get some needlessly complicated Batman and penguin fight or anything. I do love the dynamic, though, of the other three. I think there's a, a big, a, a great complexity of all the relationships between Shrek and Catwoman and Wayne, and then a, a pretty fitting end to the penguin as he walks to his death, basically almost, almost turning penguin into this tragic character, not necessarily this villain, like, like Shrek or Joker were. Uh, but again, I, I just can't talk enough about Michelle Fiverr's performance. Uh, even here, uh, you can see the inner turmoil Selena is facing just by Michelle Pfeiffer's line delivery and the emotions she's portraying. Uh, I said earlier, my earliest memory of seeing the movie was seeing the original 89 Batman. And I don't even remember the experience, really. I just remember distinctly walking out of the parking lot and my dad saying, wow, Nicholson stole that movie. The Joker stole that movie. And that's all I can think about here is Pfeiffer absolutely killed it. And Pfeiffer steals this movie to me. Uh, Pretty classic final showdown. I mean, we know who's going to win, but it's still delivered. Great acting at the end from Keaton and Pfeiffer. The vulnerability from Bruce Wayne and the internal conflict between uh, with Selena Kyle that was great. When Oswald shows back up, I got a good laugh when he grabbed uh, that umbrella that wasn't a gun. Said, "Shit, I picked a cute one." That was hilarious to me because he thought he you know he thought he grabbed one that was a gun. He opens it and says, "Shit, I grabbed a cute one." Uh, the penguins coming in and marching and marching marching the body to his funeral was an awesome touch as well. Uh, very poetic. I love the shadow of Catwoman on the building as Bruce is riding in the car and then he gets out and he couldn't find her. Just a cat. Great cliffhanger to end on, but they didn't. 
We see Selena in the Catwoman suit one more time, and I wish we hadn't. Should have just left it a mystery. Is she alive? Is she dead? Was that Bruce's mind playing tricks on him? But no, we actually see her. And that kind of pissed me off because they set it up to where they could have continued the Catwoman character in the next movie. Uh, and then also, how the hell did she fix her suit? Like she was just, <laughs> she looked psychotic. Her hair was poking out. There's holes in it. And then we see it five minutes later and it's perfect. So that annoyed me. I really hated how it ended, ended. But the final act was good, though. Yeah, Burton already had it planned for the third one. She was going to come back. But. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't do traditional sequels. He should have known that some, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to materialize. So if you leave it to where you just see the shadow, you could have still had Catwoman if it had worked out. But instead, you you oversell and underdeliver. All right, guys. Let's jump to our social media comments and questions. We'll start with Twitter. Behath, unrated director's cut comment. I may like this movie a little as he flexes his back cow. That's as worn by Michael Keaton. Wow. The wealth on this guy. Brandy Smith, go dogs. I personally love the Tim Burton Batmans. They are my childhood. Michael Keaton will always be my Batman. Can't wait to hear y'all's takes. P.S. More than any other week this year, go dogs and Merry Christmas. Go Knowles, brother. Whatever, Andrew Randy. Ferguson commented, I'd rank this three out of the four Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher Batmans after the original and forever. Love Jim Carrey as the Riddler. But Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman has a resume that no playoff committee could ignore. Damn, that hurt. Damn. Oh, man, what the hell? Do our, do our listeners actually like us? I don't think so. I can understand Randy, but damn, Andrew, that was out of nowhere. All right, Sean the Glee Man commented, Look, I enjoy this movie, but I grew up on Batman forever, so it ranks behind that for me. One of Danny Danny DeVito's best roles. He was great as Penguin. All right, that guy commented, and he left the Stephen A. Smith soliloquy, so I hope I don't Floyd Mayweather this joint. This film (laughs) is an outright essential in my childhood movie viewing. This movie is filled with choice visuals, top-flight characters, and an elite cast. For me, I know he's not the first, but Keaton is the OG Cape Crusader. Whenever I think of Batman, it's his depiction. DeVito's performance as Penguin is top-notch and still gives me chills to this day. Watching him cement a tooth wound in Josh's nose made me cringe my earlier watches. Michelle Pfeiffer's enactment of Catwoman is nothing short of perfect. Her slip into madness, her ability to tempt her foe, and how she looked in that leather, whoa. Let's not forget about the third villain in this film portrayed flawlessly by the iconic Mr. Walken. Spoiler, he's my favorite kill. Is this the best film ever? No, but it is hella enjoyable to watch many times over. I love this movie and will die on that hill if necessary. Incredible show, fellas. I never miss an episode and hope to one day do a review with you guys. You'll be getting my legendary donor soon. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm out of, about ran out of my voice on that one, but appreciate it. All right, let's move over to Instagram. I might need you to do Facebook, Brian. <laughs> M Strickland 91 coming. I love this one for the awesome villain portrayals. It's definitely a great Christmas watch as well. I'm curious, did anyone else think the penguin shit himself while in his onesie? The shots of him from behind were questionable, <laughs> LOL. Excited to hear this one, fellas. Get it. Hey, hold up. Hold up. He was looking at his ass. That's a gavel. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Making X2 comment, my favorite Batman film. Do you consider Batman Returns lighter or darker in tone than Batman 1989? I haven't seen 89 in forever, so I'll let... Uh, the two Batman experts comment on that one. Uh, it's both, honestly. I mean, it yeah. has, it's a little bit lighter in places than Batman 89 ever was, and it went a little darker than Batman 89 ever did. So I agree. It's both. Are the Black Con Solo comment literally an annual Christmas watch? When you get a chance, look at the video of how this movie had a whole lot of Karen's pearl clutching because this movie. 
fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and he left another comment. Also, speaking of unlikely Christmas movies, do y'all consider 2007's P2 a Christmas movie? I listen to a lot of horror podcasts, and no one ever brings up in their list of Christmas horror movies. My brother, I have not seen that movie yet, but it's one I do want to see. It looks good. I've it not looks seen good. It either. I'll do Facebook, Brian. I'll be a man. Okay. <laughs> Michelle Merzik, because I know y'all got a lot of trivia in the uh, budget. Michelle Merzik, comment, great picks, guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Michelle. You're Merry awesome. Merry Christmas, Michelle. I think it's Chiana Turner coming. Yes, this movie is amazing. The characters are great. Keaton is the goat. I love DeVito and his Penguin Army and my favorite movie character probably ever, Selena Kyle, Catwoman. She is just the best. I love the scene in the department store and the scene at the ball where her and Bruce figure out who each other is. Perfection. And then Brian coming, did you mean perfection? He just oh, couldn't brother. resist that dad joke. All right, couldn't help it. <laughs> I mean, it was right there. <laughs> Joe Swift for coming, my favorite Batman movie, hands down. And Shiana Turner's passionate because she replied to every other person's comment too. <laughs> Hell yeah, sister. Shan commented, my favorite Batman movie, no question. My disappointment, my younger self for not saving the collectible cards I, I had from this movie, though, LOL. Damn, I bet those are worth some money now. That's it for socials. All right, I'll knock mine out. Um, uh, Burgess Meredith, who played the Penguin on Batman 1966 and the Batman movie from 66, was asked to play the Penguin's father in this movie, but illness prevented him from doing it. At least 50% of the Warner Brothers lot was taken up by Gotham City sets. Batman doesn't wear boots in this movie. Nico, you'll be happy to know that he wore Air Jordan 6s connected to an upper, which gave the boot-like feeling. So that was cool. Michelle Pfeiffer went through 60 cat suits during the six-month shoot at a cost of $1,000 a piece. And I personally would like to know if any of them are still out there. I'd like to have one. Uh, <laughs> Tim Burton is in the movie, kind of. When Selena comes home to her apartment and turns on the answering machine, that's Burton's voice on the second uh, voicemail. Or I see voicemail. See, listen, 2023 yeah. is one on the second message on her answering machine. In Daniel Waters' 1991 draft of the script from May of 91, Batman turns to a young mechanic to undo the Penguin's control of the Batmobile. And in the third act, Batman calls upon him again to dis, uh, descramble de the signal that controls the army of missile arm penguins. When formal introductions are made afterwards, the mechanic says his name is Robin. It's also implied that his parents have also have already died by this point. And this nice. one was really yeah. interesting to me. Damon Wayans. Marlon Wayans. So Marlon Wayans. Uh, the, ca the near casting of Marlon Wayans as Robin became a point of controversy for some. Many questioned the appropriateness of Robin being African-American, while others were wary of Wayans in the part as he was known as a comedic actor, indicating the film would veer off to a, a campy nature listen to the first point there shut up and suck it up these are fictional characters if you want to make robin black if you want to make the little mermaid black they're fictional they're not real people anyway dustin hoffman was originally the first choice to play penguin but he declined and then here's the list of names for you dudley moore marlon brando john candy bob hoskins ralph Waite, dean martin alan rickman phil collins Charles Grodin, Phil Ben Kingsley, <laughs> yeah. John Goodman, Christopher Lee, Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, Gabriel Byrne, Alex Rocco, and Christopher Lloyd were all considered for the role before Danny DeVito got it. <laughs> That's incredible. Sigourney Weaver was considered for the role of Catwoman. <laughs> before Michelle Pfeiffer was cast as Catwoman, other candidates in the running were Lorraine Bracco, Cher, Gina Davis, Bridget Fonda, Jodie Foster, Nicole Kidman, 
who that one's funny to me because, of course, she was in Batman Forever. Jennifer Jason Lee, Madonna, Demi Moore, Susan Sarandon, Brooke Shields, Lena Olin, Meryl Streep, Madeline Stowe, Rachel Welch, or Raquel Welch, Jennifer Bills, Deborah Winger, Reba McIntyre, oh. and Melanie Griffith. If Reba was in this movie, she would have had to tell the penguin on Reba McIntyre to your shit. That would have been, you know, <laughs> you had to write that one in. Uh, Meryl Streep was actually rejected for the role of Catwoman because Tim Burton felt that she was, quote, too old for the role. That's kind of well, hurt. Well, Brooke Shields was the was considered, but Tim Burton turned her down because she was no longer a bankable star. That's also got to hurt. Damn. And the last one I have is in regards to someone turning down Catwoman. It was Gina Davis. She turned it down to do another little movie you may have heard of, A League of Their Own. Wow. So I think both movies turned out just fine. Yes, it did. Um, Danny DeVito was advised it. by friend Jack Nicholson, aware of his own financial successes with the first Batman, to take the role of Penguin. Uh, during the Penguin-Catwoman scene, Michelle Pfeiffer had to put a live bird in her mouth. They had bird puppets on set, but Pfeiffer thought they all looked too fake. Michael Keaton revealed that his favorite scene was when his character smiles at the tattooed strongman uh, after putting the bomb on him. I got that. And uh, the budget, Batman Returns, was made on an $80 million budget, which is pretty damn big for 1992. Uh, 11 of that going to Keaton, three of that going to Pfeiffer. Uh, it opened to a then record-breaking $45.6 million domestic open and went on to gross $266.9 million worldwide, and then another $80 million upon a 2019 limited release. So it made some cash. Sheesh. That's Brian's 401k right there. Anywho, um, <laughs> we'll jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. I'll go first. Favorite kill, don't really love any or hate any of the kills because it's not really about the kills, but my favorite kill, I'll go with Penguin just because, you know, you get some good blood at the end. But I don't know, Crisper walking, his death was cool, but I thought his face was kind of corny or cheesy at the end. Least favorite kill, I'm going to go with uh, the Ice Princess just because like Dustin mentioned, the moment, was the moment too big? Didn't even try and yeah. save yourself. You just fall off. Good Lord. All right, anywho, uh, the cast is awesome. Michael Keaton's great. Michelle Pfeiffer. Christopher Walken, I love that guy. You know, he's he's one of those celebrities who I really, really like, and he's getting up there in age, and I know it's going to hurt whenever he inevitably, inevitably goes up high on that mountain. Shout out to Vince Gill. I love <laughs> Christopher Walken. Uh, Danny DeVito as Penguin. He's amazing. Great, great portrayal. Of that list you named off, Dustin, the only person I would maybe like to have seen, just out of curiosity, is maybe Joe Pesci, just because I feel like I he was, could pull off. Joe Pesci think, was the only one I was going to say, too. He, I think he, he reminds me so much of Danny DeVito. Yeah, think, exactly. They're like I cousins. Alan, Alan Rickman and Ben Kingsley. Like, I love both of those guys. So maybe I'm just being biased, but I think they cast think him perfectly. I'm just – no, no, no. DeVito nailed it. But Pesci, just because he's like that little short, you know, funny guy like DeVito. Yeah. They're they're like cousins or whatever. Wait, funny uh, how? How's he funny? Funny ha ha. Funny ha ha. Funny ha ha. Oh, he's yes. never seen Goodfellas. <laughs> this isn't that's what a, we're that's doing a right Joe, now. That's a Joe Pesci quote from Goodfellas. He says, "You're funny." He goes, "How am I funny? Funny how?" Okay, okay. I don't, I've never seen the movie, so good, good one. Uh, anywho, uh, <laughs> great cast. It looks great. Tim Burton. You know that motherfucker. Don't miss. But I gave the movie a six, not to be disrespectful. Like, but it's just, it just, it didn't do much for me. You know what I'm saying? But I respect the cast. It looked great. Awesome movie. You know, 
but it's just not something I want to pop on anytime soon again. So yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Let the uh, two Batman guys take over. So if y'all got any hate for me, go ahead and send it on over because I know it's coming probably. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I'll go ahead and go. Favorite kill when Batman strapped a bomb to the thug's chest and kicked him down the sewer. Like that's uncharacteristic for Batman to kill someone and he did it in an awesome manner with a smirk on his face. Fucking loved it. Although the, uh, you know, setting the guy on fire was, it was neck and neck. That was my two favorite. Lee's favorite kill was the blonde dumbass who just stood on the ledge until she got scared by bats and fell. Give me a break. Rating and general thoughts or closing thoughts. The movie holds a lot of nostalgia. It definitely has its flaws, like I mentioned throughout. Like it's, I, I nitpicked it to death, but you just, you know, we would nitpick a movie that was put out today that wasn't based on a superhero. You know, we would nitpick these things that I pointed out. Uh, this movie also. You know, it's not horror at all, but I love it. I'm probably going to dust off the old Sega Genesis and play the Batman Returns video game. Uh, probably this week, maybe this weekend, because I watched this movie and now it's on my brain. I love it. I highly recommend it. Michelle Pfeiffer, incredible. I give it an 8.25. Nice. Nigga, what did you give Terrifier to? Was it an 8? Just checking. can't remember. <laughs> can't remember what that was. 7.5. 7.5. Something like that. Yeah, something like oh, that. brother. Uh my, uh, Ooh, my what are we kill. doing here? Y'all just give your goddamn right. <laughs> Stop bullying me. Kill, my favorite kill is the fat bomb clown or the clown that got burned alive by the Batmobile as well. My least favorite kill, I don't really have one, but I do love that we have actual kills to talk about in a Batman movie because we have some pretty pretty full-on horror movies that we don't ever get kills in at all. So I kind of thought that was pretty neat to have that part in there. But as far as my summary goes, like this movie is just visually stunning to me. The Burton-esque, everything about it. Love the character development. I know I said a few things that I could knock the movie down for me, but I do enjoy it as much, uh, just as much almost as the first Batman. I love the Christmas setting. I actually came in here thinking I was going to give this thing a 10, but I'm going to have to give it a 9.5 after some dissecting. All right. That gives us a composite score of a 7.91, 7.92 if you round up. IMDb has it as a 7.1, so we're right there with them. Hey, Brian, live your truth, brother. If you want to give it a 10, you give it a 10. Nah, 9.5. Don't let Dustin bully you into taking away a point five from it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, any final thoughts? Right to shout out the blood donors? Sweet. Uh, just want to shout out our blood donors. Like we mentioned, we really appreciate y'all. Y'all take a big, big burden off of us. We got a new final guide donor, Go Dogs, Randy Smith himself. We're going to be doing... Uh, weirdly timed movie of the year when we're viewing it but hey i know it'll be highly anticipated I'm not announcing it right now uh michael evans final guy donor will be doing his review next week we summon in the darkness looking forward to that one i've never even heard of it honestly but it's got some cool names alexandra daddario johnny yes, knoxville sir. some big names uh fraser rice a dream warrior level donor really appreciate you brother camper level reoccurring clayton J, nina michelle mirza the horror movie crew podcast Shout out to those guys. Alex Ellingson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Kelsey Miller, Christopher James, and Michael Evans. Camp Counselor Reoccurring, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Kylie Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Karen, Brian Samick, Andrew Ferguson, Matt Strickland, and Brooke Maley. Really appreciate y'all. Y'all take a big burden off of us, like I said. Uh, it really does take a big burden off of us. It's not cheap to – right make this podcast, host the website, make the YouTube videos, all that good stuff. So y'all take a big burden off of us, save us a few bucks, and we really appreciate the support. Uh, 
So yeah, so I'm excited for We Summer in the Darkness next week. I haven't seen this movie, but I never saw The Sadness either, and I really enjoyed that one. So I got my hopes up for this one. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, on Batman Returns? No, no, but I'm not on... looking forward to the next movie. I looked at the poster, and it looks like some demonic shit. I don't want to watch that. It's it's <laughs> not. It's it's okay. uh. I watched what I watched it about a month ago or something when I found it when he first picked it, and it's it's different. Like it's it's weird. It's different. But Alexander Dario is nice to look at. No doubt about that. Do your thing, cause uh, that takes a chance. Some Masker 3D. We'll get that one eventually. But Merry <laughs> Christmas to all of our listeners. We really appreciate support. The year's coming to an end. We really appreciate what well, this is our what fourth year of doing this show. Yeah. Uh, or maybe fifth year, fourth year. Emerson is four. Wow. Wow, time flies, brother. Thank you to all of our fans. It really means a lot, all the kind words and messages. Y'all have a good one. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Just want to remind everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.